Welcome to Discuss, part five of our Rooted series. This week, Josh, Andy, and Jonathan continue our discussion on transforming faith. Enjoy! Lord, would you open up the scriptures to us and reveal yourself? Would you be in the middle of our conversation? We trust that you've prepared us for this. That you want to meet with us. You want to see us transformed by your presence. You move us from glory to glory. That we may know you in your fullness. That we may stretch out and reach the full maturity of Jesus Christ. Thank you for showing us what is good. And prompting us and pushing us and pulling us towards what is better. We trust you in this. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you joined us last week, we looked at our second root in our Rooted series, and the root of a transforming faith. We want to root ourselves in a faith that transforms us. And the good news for us when we look at God's words, that God speaks, uh, that he speaks a word of transformation for us. And we rooted ourselves in uh, letter, Paul's letter to the Romans last week, chapter 12, just the first two verses. So I'm going to reread them here, just do a quick recap, and we can jump into it. He writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we talked uh, one of the big ideas last week is that change is possible and it's all-encompassing. Like God desires to change us from the inside out and there's no area, there's no aspect of our life that is not transformed. And the image of sacrifice would be a potent one to a first century um, person. But the image here is one a sacrifice that does not get consumed. It doesn't kill what's being offered. It actually goes on living and has new life as a sacrifice. It goes on, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So actively resist sort of the default mode of the, of the world around us that takes work, it's active involvement, discernment. What is um, a part of God's goodness and what is to be rejected? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's it by way of recap and introduction. So guys, what do you think? Do you think anything? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, I think, as you sort of brought up last week, and introduced your discussion, you were talking about the, the conflict between our own belief. You know, a lot of people believe, you know, I'm good enough as I am. It's a famous line from Bridget Jones' Diary, one of my favorite movies. Bridget Jones. Um, where Colin Firth was the, uh, the hero and or the male love interest of mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger. And he, she liked him because he loved her just the way she was. And that was sort of 
important that, you know, accept me for who I am, and that's kind of a, a mantra these days. But then you brought up, that it doesn't really make sense because at the same time there's so much of a self-help industry, um, whether it's, as you said, physical transformation that we're after, um, you know, all these workout apps and things, or emotional transformation. You brought up how you like the whole uh, work routine, trying to yeah, that's right. organize your desk. That's something that's important yeah. to you. Yeah. And, you know, but also spiritual transformation. There's all these self-help books that people are into. So. Mm -hmm. that, that rang true for me, but I was interested because I often sort of get the feeling that people don't think we need help, and yet we do. Yeah, we're a little split sometimes in the way that we, we think or behave. Yeah. I mean, it's, the Christian life is kind of mind-boggling at points because you've got God revealing the law. He's showing what is good. and showing what, what God likes and loves. So he doesn't like murder, for example. He doesn't like adultery, for example. Those are not things that he likes. They also don't lead to human flourishing, either of those. So there is a law. There is the good. And then the Holy Old Testament story shows that humanity is incapable of reaching the highest good and maybe even slight good, I mean, as a collective. And so you're just confused. So you, you know what you ought to do, but you don't do it. And then the whole Old Testament, there's like these two themes that eventually get resolved in Jesus. And the first theme is bring your absolute best to God. And you can see that in places like Leviticus and Numbers. Mm -hmm. Right? Where you're bringing the best of your crops and you're just saying, here I am, this is the absolute best. God doesn't get the dregs. But then there's something like the atonement, which is a, a huge ceremony once a year in, in which the goal is to bring union a person with God, knowing that there's all kinds of gaps and secret sins and errors and that we fall short of God's glory. And so there's bring your worst as well to God. And then it's that bringing your worst in which you get some resolution in Christ, especially and chiefly in Christ, where the law no longer holds the same power, where goodness and badness kind of get altered because Christ fulfills all of the badness. He covers all of our weak points. He, he pays off our credit or our debit. And so then we're settled. So now what? So let's say a person is forgiven. Then what happens next? Do you start accruing more debt as you sin or you fall short of God's glory? Or now do you not need to worry about the good anymore because you're saved. And once saved, always saved. And you're safe with God. So therefore, you can do whatever you want. The tabs are like perpetually clean. Keep going to the bar, rack up huge credit because it's unlimited treasure to pay it off. I'm just introducing the uh, <laughs> challenge. I do. Is, do you want to respond to any of that? Yeah, I mean that's fairly. It's a that's a discussion that comes up quite a bit <laughs> with the the topic of forgiveness, and I think for me, part of it is if if you've received forgiveness, there is a, a change in you that will hopefully change your way of thinking so that you're not thinking in those terms as much, um, that the motivation isn't 
how do I get out of debt now, or how can I get away with debt, if we're continuing that analogy, or sin, but more so, how can I do better from now on? Because you have a changed motivation if, if you've received forgiveness from, through Jesus, then, uh, then hopefully that's begun a process of transformation in you so that you're now motivated to not try to get away with the other stuff as much. So that's why you don't, you're not as bad as you could be, Jonathan? I, I'm definitely not as bad as I could be. <laughs> why is that? Why aren't you worse than you are? <laughs> well, I, as again, I think there's, I mean, I think it's a bit of a sacramental thing that, that I, the Holy Spirit acting in me convicts me to, to live a certain way and motivates me to want to live. So it's not just out of guilt, but, but to want to live like Jesus as much as I can. And I certainly fall short, but I'm not as bad as I could be. I mean. <laughs> you could be worse. You could just be phoning it in. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Eddie? Why do you care? About doing good. Yeah, I mean, assuming you do. Assuming I did care, it would probably be because I don't know. I think some for me, some or I think some of this has to do with just this vision of goodness and beauty and rightness. Like there's there's something compelling in that um, of uh, being in tune with what's true and good and right and beautiful. Like and there's a whether you're Christian or not, or, or religious or not, the, most people have some sort of aspiration of, of transformation in some way. And that, I think that speaks to something in us that, that the, the God's words are pointing us to, that there's something better and something more for us individually and collectively. And I think that's, that's part of it. Even that Psalm 24 we opened up with, who can ascend the mountain of the Lord and stand in this holy place. Like who can, who gets to be in this place of God's beauty and goodness and transcendence and all these kind of these big ideas. I think that's kind of what connects with me. Yeah. And, and Andy gave us seven steps. Seven easy steps to deep spiritual transformation. It's a little tongue in cheek because oh, of the. It is. Yeah. It is tongue in cheek. Well, like, no, they're pretty good, though. Yeah, easy has to be understood through a certain philosophical, theological lens. But yeah, yeah. But but what? One of them was you are what you eat. Yeah. Um, which I think relates to Josh's question because you're basically saying that if you spend time in the Word and sacrament, then it does. If you marinate, which again we're. Mix, you said you're mixing metaphors, but mixing spend, food metaphors. So yeah. So if you spend time in the marinade, it seeps into into yeah. you yeah. And, and changes you. And so again, that's part of the transformation. And and so what stuck out to me was the point that transformation isn't an event, isn't just an event. Mm -hmm. Like I've been forgiven today. No, I mean it is, but it's also a process. And so you continue to. Yeah, that reminds me of one of my favorite sections of the scriptures. It's in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the second one. And I won't do the whole thing because it's a little convoluted. He's referring to Moses. I'll give you the Cole's notes here, Cliff's notes for those in the U.S. Thank you. Thanks. 
So Moses had special access. He's described as a friend of God. He had special access to God in the tent of meeting, it was called. And he'd go and have these encounters, and he'd come out, and his face was shining. Like there was an glow, actual, like he had a glow. He had, a, he had an Radiance. Glow. And it's just like you're saying, there was a contact, and you could see it physically. And it would start to wear off after a while, though. And so in this letter to 2 Corinthians, you've got, um, indeed, in this case, once one, what, what once had glory has come to have no glory, glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. This is Paul's argument. The glory starts to fade. You could see it in Moses' face as he pulled away from God, even necessarily. Um, but in the new, in the new life of the Spirit through Christ, you have a different kind of access to God. And so you have this glow as possible. And he talks about it in terms of glory. You could also think of it in terms of sun tanning. Like if you're close to the sun, you will get tanned, hopefully not burned. Okay, so, and this is what he says at the end of 2 Corinthians 3. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That thing that's blocking us from encountering God in Christ. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not like the law, which is like, if you've ever tried to just fulfill a New Year's resolution, you know it's hard. And not many people fulfill even just New Year's resolutions, let alone our, our lofty moral goals that we have. And we all, with unfailed face, unfailed face, beholding the glory of the Lord, encountering Jesus, are being transformed, it's that same word in Romans, metamorphosis, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now I like that phrase, from one glory to another, from glory to glory. It always confused me until uh, I heard or read a book by a very old man. Greg. Gregory, you know him. Know. You know him as Greg. But Gregory of Nyssa, mm -hmm. and is that the fourth century? I'm, I'm hoping it is somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. And he wrote a book called From Glory to Glory, mm -hmm. and he talked about the idea of perfection, and that the Greek view of perfection is like a cube, and if the goal is perfection to be like Christ, right? That we think that somehow we got to fill out the edges of this perfect cube or to reach 100%. But he said that can't possibly be what perfection means. It's not in the Hebrew scriptures because God's perfection is limitless. God's love is without boundary. It's not like a cube. It's like a horizon that never ends. And as one stands in the glow and the glory of God and is transformed into his image, you get better. So you get this phrase, from glory to glory, from one good to a better good. And I thought, the first time I read that, I thought, wait, there's no 100%? So I can't ace this test. Mm -hmm. Or get a B minus, or for me it's like B plus, A minus, where I'm like, oh, I'm better than most. That sort of, yeah. <laughs> no, there's no B plus, A minus. It's being in contact with a God who transforms us into his image. And that has no limits in the end to goodness. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fascinating because it gives it gives a bit of scope to eternity. Uh, oh shoot, I've kind of done everything. Yeah, and I got a lot of time left. That there's that there is this endless uh, there is this endless adventure, I guess, or this endless um, way to to be with one another and with God. And some of the limits that we have in this life, being bound as we are in our own kind of middle ground between glory and, and despair and brokenness. Well, once that's, that's resolved, there's still you would, you would think in the next life there's still this pursuit and there's still this transformation. And I think the biggest impact it's had on me. In my 20s, I used to be all about trying to be perfect. Like, here's 20 things I need to work on this month mm-hmm. or this year. And I was so burned out from that. And I might just have gotten less optimistic about things by the time I'm in my mid-40s. But now I'm just like, let's just pick one thing. Because the not having committing adultery and not murdering, that's not really an issue. So let's, there's smaller things of smaller magnitude. Mm-hmm. But let's just work on one thing for this next season. And then it brings me into conversation with God. Mm-hmm. Instead of just... What's the new law, the new thing I need to get better at? Mm-hmm. It's God, how may I be transformed that I may better fulfill the law of love? Mm-hmm. To love you, God, and to love those around me and to be, feel more full in my own skin. Yeah. It's a freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's also important to remember, again, what Andy said, that the law was given, but didn't work on its own, right? We can't just will ourselves to pick one thing. It is by saturating ourselves in Christ. And and as you said, having God write the law in our hearts so that that's what drives us rather than just our will to improve one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you said change, change is possible, and that's how you started, that's how you ended. But I like that you took it one step further, again, saying, if you spend time in Christ, that, that change is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what, what I take away, is, is it's not up to us as much as it's up to us to turn to God and Spend time with him and he'll do it. Yeah. yeah. The, the, what's the song? We're not singing it tonight, but the, uh, the labor of God is to trust in the sun. Yeah. Um, it's, that, that's the idea. It's, it's God has done the, the, and does the big work through Christ, through the work of the spirit. And, and part of that, uh, Moses story is to me, as you were sharing it, Josh, is, this external thing where most go to the tent of meeting, have this meeting with God, and come out shiny. And now that's moved in, in after Jesus, that's moved inside of us, that internal, the writing on the hearts thing. The glory starts in, goes from the inside out and emanates out from us, this, this transformation. And, um, and yeah, our, our role is, our work is less than, but still important, still has this, huge effect of of trusting God's work and allowing God to come in and, and yielding ourselves and submitting ourselves to that work in us is, is, is our main labor as I understand it. And it's a good work. 
Yeah. I think it's incredibly freeing because mm -hmm. it, at its best, it can deliver, deliver us from all kinds of performance anxiety. Right. And I know I have to talk myself off the ledge a bunch. Mm -hmm. As you guys both know, like, because mm -hmm. I take things pretty serious and people have said I'm an intense person. And, and so I've got all kinds of failures and defects, but I have to keep saying, well, God loved me when I was worse off. Mm -hmm. I actually loved worse 20 years ago than I do now. I care about people more. Mm -hmm. I'm better at it, I think. So it's like, okay, well, if he accepted me and brought me into his presence when I was worse off, then how much more now? It's, it's mm -hmm. there. So now I don't wonder, as I used to, whether God loves me. Mm -hmm. I used to wonder about that all the time. And somehow, over the years, I just stopped asking the question. I just started assuming it. Yeah. That's freaked me up. And I'm going, well, I got a list of 10 pretty bad habits or failures, plus all the ones that I don't even know about yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, pick one. God holds all of time, and he's, and I've done enough white knuckling yeah. ethically. You know, like you're just trying to get mm -hmm. better at one thing, and it was the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Right? It took a tremendous effort with almost no change. Yeah. And I was just trying to do it on my own rather than asking God, what's this next season look like and where can I commit my energy and my willpower and a yeah. bunch of other things. Yeah, I think that's why the, the, the belief step or the trust step is so huge because God is asking you to trust in the depth of his great love and mercy towards you and to trans orient, reorient your whole life and to act out of that reality that God loves me, loved me when I was worse than I am now. And, and to, to really lean into that, to, to put your whole self into that spot and, and allow God to keep that working with us, that transformation. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C., our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by Richard Charter. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca.